This is the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We are getting you guys ready with a two-hour preview of the Seahawks' upcoming game. This one at Lumen Field, 1.25 p.m. kickoff against the Arizona Cardinals. They're 8-2. and two. Before we look ahead to Arizona, though, let's look back very briefly, I know, to the loss against the Packers. That one on the road at Lambeau, 17-0. First time since 2011 the Seahawks were shut out. It was a bad day on offense, as uh, would be obvious by the final score. Russell Wilson, 20-40, 161, two Defense, though, pretty solid. Pretty good day for defense, including Jamal Adams getting his very first interception as a Seahawk. So let's start there. Dave, what would you like from defense? Yeah, they covered really well. And a couple times they were dropping eight and only rushing three, which sometimes that works out, sometimes it doesn't. But I, I thought you looked like Aaron Rodgers in the first half. He looked more confused and off schedule than Russell did. Yeah. So that that's that's what I thought. Um you know, you mentioned uh, Jamal getting his first interception. He apologized to Quandre Diggs for that. And we talked to Diggs this week, and he said they switched because typically he's the guy that's in, you know, the, the free in the middle. Yeah. And I guess they switched on that play. So <laughs> Jamal goes and, and hey man, <laughs> he apologizes to Quandre. And Quandre's like, bro, just appreciate and, and love and have fun with your interception, man. Right. Yeah, don't so, care. Yeah. So he broke the seal on that. And he's only got four more to go. He told us uh, he told us five interceptions, five, five nice. interceptions, nice. 12 and a half sacks. So he's yeah, got to get going on the sacks. But I thought it, speaking, I don't want to get too specific, but Jamal I Adams has you. looked the most so, the last so, couple yeah. games like We're he did last up. year, um, that, how they're using him. So that's that's really good. He got a couple of hits. He got away with one on Aaron Rodgers. He hit him in the face. And you could um, see that stung Rodgers a little bit. He didn't complain or anything like that. That's but shocking. Yeah. So um, yeah, that uh, the defense looked looked really yeah. good in that way. Um, but then they just wore down bandwidth, at the end. But so. and, and I would say this on on the other side, Russell Wilson. I I, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't look like it was his finger. It looked to me like he just was out of sorts. He's never been in that situation before. Mm-hmm. He's never missed uh, games during the regular season. And I looked today, the, the longest pass he th- completed was to DK Metcalf, which just a crossing pattern for All 17 right. yards. He fell for, forward test. for a yard. But like the, the longest play of the day was a three-yard pass to Will Disley, who to took it for, what, 29 or something. Wrong. So... Yeah, I, I love the way that they started so far, using so the good. tight ends. Yeah, the defense uh, gave up those good. final scores in the fourth, uh, making it a 17-point yeah. game for the Packers, in part because the Packers dominated time of possession, almost 2-1. to one. It was That's 39 good. minutes on the field for the Packers' offense to just 20 minutes so for Seattle. Be We're used to that. Jake, yeah, 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 that's one unfortunate yeah. trend for the season. Jake, let's look at offense because Seattle's offense – they couldn't convert. But, they couldn't no, score, and you the... had two huge mistakes that that might have just made the game uh, for Russell Wilson. I mean, what would you see on that side of the ball? I well, I, I agree with Dave in terms of bit. the assessment of Russell Wilson. You know, it's been saying that all week. That I don't believe it. Um, I don't think it was a finger and, uh, issue. I believe it was getting back in the rhythm, getting back in the <laughs> flow, like and the game just kind of being sped up on him. Okay. And so, hopefully, that when you go into this next week. That isn't the same. That doesn't continue that you're able that he's able to settle down, and able to get back better. into the rhythm of everything again, and uh, and you start to see okay. him play no, more like himself. The but there there are a couple factors. Number one right, is the it. interceptions. You can't have those interceptions when they showed up. I mean, just just inopportune times. Uh, the the first one to me was really the killer. You finally put together a ten play drive. It was a great-looking drive, and you get yourself down there into the red zone. 
and here you have it. It's it's, it's still a 3-0 ball game in your third down situation here. He extends the play, fine, that's great, and then forced one in the end zone. And that is that is red zone quarterbacking 101. You don't do that because you know you have the points. Throw it away, let it be a 3-3 ball game, and you actually develop some momentum there offensively. You get to sit there and tell yourself, hey, we, we just had an 11-play drive, and it, it, it finished with a field goal. We want points, and we'll get back to it. But the, the air just got sucked out of the offense on that. And then you get down to you know, around eight minutes left in the game, and Russell is forcing a ball down the field to Tyler Lockett, second interception, and then that leads to a following drive where it becomes 17-0, and the game is pretty much over and done with at that point. So those interceptions, the decision-making from Russell Wilson, to me, was more of the issue of the game than anything else. Yeah, Pete Carroll making it clear, too. He just wants to see uh, more rush attempts, at least moving forward. Alex Collins had just 11 carries, and I know that when we talk about the pace of the game and the situational football that they're playing, when they fall behind, yeah, that's that's going to stay that way, right? They're going to try to pass to uh, speed up the game, speed up those drives and score. But uh, I was certainly surprised they didn't run it a little bit more. Coming back with a quarterback who's who's missed so much time, and I know you don't have Chris Carson, but Alex Collins uh, has been solid. Now, Collins did uh, have a groin injury that he'd been dealing with, was limited in practice. Um, but, I mean, Rashad Penny didn't play a snap. You only saw Travis Homer out there once. So I'd certainly expect more carries against Arizona, but what kind of defense are we looking at here with the Cardinals? Man, they're so much better. They, they're top five in both points and yards. So, Eight. yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's tough. Um, but look, Pete saying that – we have to get the running backs the ball. Collins, he averaged four yards, a care 4.1, actually. I, I, I don't think he's Chris Carson, but when you give him the ball, and it was the same thing with Chris Carson. Like when you give him 20 carries, he'll get 1,000 yards for you. But, you know, they, they got away from that last year when he was in there. And then, um, yeah, I think they, they have to get it back to Alex Collins. You know that drive with the interception, the, you talk about sucking the air out of it? Yeah. I thought if if Travis Homer had made that catch and not looked away and dropped it, it was just a little in the flat. I feel like he'd have broken that tackle and possibly scored. So, But but he, he also got a carry. It was only for two yards, but they got to get – this isn't Pete being old school and you know going back to the Stone Age with we had to run the ball. I mean, right? They, I mean, you look at the the Arizona Cardinals for example, their offense. Um, they are four plays away from being exactly 50-50 run pass. So, and the Seahawks right now are about 45-55 uh, run to pass. So, yeah, they need to get that balance back like uh, like the Cardinals have. Yeah, they do. And and this is where it shows up. The, it, just to give everybody a clear example, what does that look like? Uh, running the ball more, how does that come into effect? Well, you have this 10-play drive. And really where they start to stall out, and you mentioned that drop from Travis Homer, that certainly uh, would have been a big play and a big difference. But you get yourself all the way down to the 25-yard line, uh, the opponent's 25-yard line. And from that point forward, you don't have another rush attempt. It is one, two, three, four, five pass plays after that point. And I very much view that as as a situation where you need to continue if the run game is working and you have a drive where you're getting 
you know, four yards, then seven yards, then you need to continue to keep going to that because you're creating momentum from the line of scrimmage. You're creating momentum with the running back. And, and that is something that allows you to set other things up with your pass plays. So that is a, that is a particular area of the field and, and situation and moment where I thought to myself in that, in that where you, you run the ball to get yourself closer into the red zone. You continue to ride that momentum that you have, and then you can give another shot or two to Russell Wilson uh, at that point. But th- I just think that there's times where it's hard to f- – they, they are not hitting the right pressure points uh, in a given game, continuing the rhythm that you have offensively at times. All right, we'll go over a little bit more of what Seattle has to do, most especially when we get back to our interviews. John Boyle, a Seahawks reporter, is going to join us at 1245. He'll be followed by Michael Bumpus at 1 to kick off Hour 2 of the huddle. So we'll have plenty to talk about taking a look at the team. First, though, let's speak to the team itself. Kerry Hyder Jr. and John Radigan joining us back-to-back here. Don't go anywhere. This is the huddle. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We're going to be joined here in just a minute by defensive lineman Kerry Hyder Jr., Following him, we're going to speak to linebacker John Radigan, who has been stellar on special teams. Very excited for both of these interviews. Glad we're taking a defensive approach, too, because what the Seahawks have in store this week is facing Kyler Murray, who has been phenomenal so far with Arizona. Now, we're going to go across enemy lines and have an opponent preview with ESPN Cardinals reporter Josh Weinfuss later in the show. Uh, and, And we'll be asking him about Murray's status. Right now, guys, if I had to guess... If I had to guess, I'm going to say Murray plays. He's not at 100%, but but probably plays in this one. Um, even, you know, let's let's talk about just having Kyler Murray out there, even if he's not fully healthy. What kind of challenge does he bring these defenses in particular? How about football 101, radio 101, turn your microphone on? Gosh, um, you, did. you did great. You did a great job. It's you executed all, it so quickly. It's always a nightmare when for a linebacker when you have a guy that can run. And, and you look, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady versus, you know, Michael Vick or Russell Wilson, I'll take the Tom Brady. Uh, honestly, I, I uh, it was just such a chore. I mean, and it's an extra meeting, basically. You know, you've got you to figure out how to, you know, you can't turn your back, for example. And, you know, I, I know that Bobby Wagner was talking about the screenplay. And I remember in Minnesota, they ran a screenplay and him and Jordan Brooks are both turning and running so you're just you're dead you almost can't do that like if you run man to man you you have to keep an eye in the backfield sometimes it would be uh, the crowd that would tell me you know if you're running with a guy downfield yeah and and all of a sudden you like hear the the roar of the crowd and you turn around and here he comes so yeah, yeah I would I would much rather face Aaron Rodgers than than Kyler Murray it's just a chore for the defense well, and you talk about the Arizona Cardinals and them being such an effective running team. They've really transitioned into having two really good backs. Chase Edmonds, uh, I, I said this earlier in the year, but some guys, you know, they have a number change and they're just not as good anymore. For him, it's the complete opposite. He turned to number two, and this guy has been a superstar at running back. I love his game and the way he runs. He is quick, electric, um, a really good back uh, this year. But they also signed James. Uh, they also signed James Conner in the offseason. He's been a really nice addition for them. But you tack that on with Kyler Murray's running ability, and it also inflates your numbers a little bit. So your rush numbers uh, inflate a little bit. Your yardage inflates a little bit because the quarterback 
in those passing situations is taking off and running with it or zone reads and quarterback design runs and those are the different elements that Kyler Murray that he brings to the table that just continues to stretch your defense and and makes it very very thin and so it can be as as Dave has said and speaks to his own experience I've seen it before where you can just see the defense just so exasperated by we literally did everything right on that play except for corral the quarterback and keep him in the pocket and therefore he's running and gaining a first down on us do we think that the Seahawks struggles defending uh screenplays are going to rear their head in this one especially if I'm an opponent, I'm coming in looking at their screen game, and I'm going, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to run it. I mean, it's a, it's a nice, easy throw for the quarterback. Although eh, sometimes you got a, a pass rusher. You, uh, the, the first one they ran, the uh, the Packers, he had to kind of sidearm it to, uh, to I think it was uh, Aaron Jones. But yeah, it's just a, a matter of recognizing that. You you really need to, as a defensive lineman, recognize that. Right away, and uh, are we going to an interview here? Yeah, about ten seconds. Okay, oh, here we go. We're bringing right, on. We'll get back to this though. We'll get back to that later. Maybe we'll get to it with Carrie joining us right now on the huddle is defensive lineman Carrie Hyder Jr. Carrie, what's up? How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Of course, thanks for joining us. I'm going to start with Carrie. Uh, I've, I've interviewed you once before, and uh, you were pretty frank with your answers. So I'm hoping that I don't get like football answer. I hope I get like Carrie Hyder answer to this one. But I gotta know, <laughs> Carrie. From your perspective, just as a defensive player, even if you make the play and even if you do a great job, what's the most annoying thing about covering a team where the quarterback can also run? Uh, just the preparation, you know. Uh, it's always in the back of your mind. Like, I'd be playing a, like playing against a guy like Kyler. Like, you just got to account for what he can do with his legs, you know. He's a really dynamic player, and it's, it's, it takes a really a team effort. You know, not one guy can get him down. It's going to take the whole D-line, the whole defense, keeping an eye on a guy like that. So, Kerry, do you uh, do you adjust like your technique? I mean, you know, maybe with a guy like Aaron Rodgers or, or Tom Brady, you can you know go flying upfield. Is it is it a different kind of pass rush for you? Do you use different moves against a guy like Kyler Murray? Absolutely. Like you don't want to be behind a guy like Kyler Murray. You know, he can you can blink, and next thing you know, he's thirty yards downfield. You know, so when you're when you're pass rushing a guy like that, you just don't want to you don't want to be behind him. You don't want to give him windows where he can step up and he can take off running. Uh, Kerry, how how much has it, it been a difficult thing at different points just to get the chemistry down with, with new guys on the defensive line? Because everybody looks at that position as, oh, it's an individual game. You, it's one-on-one. You have your rush lanes. You know, it's just your job to go one on one, but you add the twists and the stunts and all that. There's there's uh, there's tremendous timing and chemistry that goes into that. Really takes like uh, reps, you know, like getting out there rushing together. You know, uh, I can see it as a group coming together really well, and it's taking a little longer than expected for us to mesh and like really gel how we really want to. But as a defense, I really feel like we're making strides, and um, as a D line particularly, like we're, we're like as a group, I can really feel us getting ready to change more games and really re- and really just get more sacks and you know more TFLs. You know, that's the goal. And as a D, as a D line, I think we're like we're taking that on our shoulders, and we're gonna really make a difference. Hey, Kerry, you definitely do see that. What what has the conversations been like within that room amongst yourselves about that process? You mentioned it not coming together as quickly as you wanted to. Has it been mostly positive in those discussions? Has it been frank in terms of how we how we, how you guys need to continue to keep working together better? What what have those conversations have been like to get yourself to the point that you are now? 
The thing about it is uh, we're professionals, you know, and uh, no one has to tell us that we're not getting the job done or we need to do more, you know. I think as a group we all have high expectations for ourselves and we all want to do well. We all want to get sacked. So when it's not happening, we're, we're looking to each other. We're looking inside ourselves, trying to, fi- trying to find a way to make it right. Hey, Carrie, are you excited to, to get back to Lumen Field for this one? I know it might be rainy this weekend and it, it's been a little wet here in the northwest, but it had to be freezing at Lambeau. Oh yeah, we're, we're we're excited, man. Like whenever we can get out in front of the 12s and and you know get that crowd rocking and when quarterbacks can't make checks, the line of scrimmage, you know, we 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 look forward to it. You know, it's it was it was nice getting away a little bit, but getting home in front of the 12s, man, that's that's where we want to play every week if we can. Hey, Kerry, I want to ask you about a, a couple of things that uh, you guys are dropping back into coverage D line uh, quite a bit. I'm not I, I don't have a count like how many times you've done it. I think I've seen you back there, but. You guys work on that uh, as far as, like, do you go over with the linebackers and work on the pass drops? What are your keys when when you are dropping back into coverage as a defensive lineman? Uh, I mean, we basically like linebackers. You know, we uh, I want to say we got a real versatile group. So, uh, you know, Coach was able to draw some things where we could drop in coverage and we can give, some, give the offense some different looks. And, uh, you know, the defensive lineman, I, you know, I know some guys don't like it, but I know I enjoy doing it. You don't get to get back there and – and try to get an interception too much. So whenever I can drop, you know, I'm I'm looking for that first interception. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We'll be rooting for you, man. Hey, uh, tell me about another play, the screen play. It's just uh, it's it, you got to read it. It's you know, it's it's really an effective play if it if it works. But uh, tell us about your guys' work on that and uh, and what are your keys on that particular play. You know, we just got to see it. You know, uh, I think we all pride ourselves in being good pass rushers. So when you hit your move, you know, you kind of feel like you won, you know. Yeah. So we just you just got to know it's not it's it's not that easy, you know. We in the NFL, no one's just gonna let you blow by. Yeah. You know, we're a, we're an aggressive team, so a lot of times we we're trying to get upfield, we're trying to make plays, but you know we just gotta read our keys. We gotta we gotta know it feels a little different than a regular pass set and and get out and, and make some plays running downfield. Yeah. You know, I had a teammate that used to call the the D lineman that rushed hard on a screen play. They called him pass rushing geniuses. It's like, oh, look, you got free. Oh, no, he let you go. So, I mean, that, that is that is always a, a frustrating play to play, no matter who you are. I mean, I think that play pretty much uh, can, can get the best the best uh, player in the league can get fooled by that. Yeah, that's, that's the crazy thing. Like, you've probably been waiting all game to throw this move, then you throw it. You've been planning it all week, and uh, that's, the, that's the time is the screen. Yeah, yeah. It. So you just got to react, and, you know, and we got to bottle it up as a team. All right, good stuff. He is Kerry Hyder Jr. Kerry, we're glad to see you back out there this weekend, and, and good luck, man. Thank you. I appreciate you guys for having me. Yeah, see ya. All right, we're going to be joined next by linebacker. What a good dude. But he's great. By linebacker John Radigan. Don't go anywhere. This is The Huddle. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Ross. Joining us now, linebacker John Radigan, and fittingly, it's salute to service weekend in the NFL, and he is an Army grad. So, John, thanks for joining us. We're really excited to talk to you. Thank you. I'm excited to be on. I appreciate it. Now, um, John, before I get started, and we're going to get into a more serious conversation, but um, look, we, we have a little bit of a bet as to whether or not you're going to know uh, this sound or this song at all. So I'm going to play it for you, okay? Listen carefully. Have you ever heard that before? Sounded like SpongeBob. 
No, this is yeah. I knew this would happen. <laughs> You're too young, John. It's it's from the Great Mouse Detective, and we thought maybe you'd know it, but then we had to remind people that what year were you born in? I was born in '99. Oh God, this is awful. <laughs> I told you this horrible. was going to happen. Oh, Wait, what, what is the relevance of that song? It's, it's the a, it's it's a movie. The Disney character Radigan. Yeah. So congratulations, oh, everyone who's like 30 for thinking you're young. You're not. John is young. John was born in 1999. Uh, John, uh, I'm so sorry, John. I told I told I'm them not, not sorry. to do this. John, I'm not sorry. Thank you for being a good sport and, and playing along. Uh, yeah, no how, how's the season going? I know it's not the the start that you guys would have wanted, but you've made some fantastic plays on special teams how are you feeling thank you thank you um you know i'm just i'm just uh, appreciative of the opportunity and uh like you said we, we you know we, we don't have the record that we want right now as a team but uh i think you know every every different unit that we have out there plays really hard and um it's just unfortunate that some of these games you know we haven't been able to get it done and uh, i think as an organization we've faced a good amount of adversity um you know We've we've missed guys different weeks, and that's kind of how the NFL is. I'm I'm learning, uh, you know, how the game is. It's a little bit different in the professional world, and you're going to be missing some of your key players uh, week in and week out. And um, you know, I think that's affected us a little bit. But uh, overall, I mean, I wouldn't say that the morale or um, you know our our intentions are are any less uh, just because we're a three and six football team right now. You know, a lot of these games could have gone the other way. So um, we're certainly still a part of a good football team and it's uh it's been a, it's been a blessing personally you know i used to watch that that show uh, a season with navy and i always thought that the the service guys are so much more disciplined and so much you know easier to coach because they're used to it and everything how much uh being at, at, at army and and just in in that situation does that help you in football be disciplined hard working all those things yeah, I can. I totally agree with you. I mean, I think uh, I think it was just a different lifestyle. Uh, my college career, you know, in the four years I was at West Point, it was definitely a little bit different than uh, than the typical, you know, D1 football player. So uh, I got a lot of similar experiences with these guys in terms of playing college football. But on top of that, you know, I feel like I have developed myself uh, to be a lot more uh, disciplined and and um, you know, just just going about my day. This is kind of what I've been used to. This is what I've been doing for. for four years to show up and, and go to work uh, regardless of what's put in front of me. So um, to have this opportunity is a blessing. And, um, you know, to have the opportunity to, to go to and graduate from West, West Point was um, was just amazing. And, and it's done me wonders and um, certainly paying off now, you know, being a rookie in the NFL. John, the thing that's been crazy about your journey, your experience so far as a pro is, you know, you were one of the names that I had heard about within the building that everyone was really excited about. Hey, watch out for this guy. He's got a real chance to make the team, even though he's undrafted free agent. Then you're hurt. Then you're hurt pretty much the entire offseason. And you only get one game, one shot in the preseason. And you made the most of it. What was your mentality throughout that process and then finally getting a chance to show what you could do? Yeah, it was certainly uh, a wild experience, and that was something, uh, you know, adversity is going to come throughout my football career. So much adversity has come, and I feel like that's the same for everybody that's reached this level. Um, But that was something that totally caught me by surprise. You know, I was not anticipating – 
that I was going to be injured. I was not anticipating missing any time because, like you said, I'm an undrafted guy. And, and to be honest, you know, we don't have you – can't, you can't miss any practices um, if you want to make the team. And, um, you know, going into that last preseason game, I was really looking forward to the first preseason game. I wanted to be back. And then, uh, you know, I didn't really recover as well as I needed to, and I wanted to be back for the second one. And same thing, it just kind of kept prolonging and um, – you know, it was a tough mental battle, uh, I would say, just to start things off here. But uh, you kind of you live and you learn. And uh, going into, you know, game three, I was still, you know, I'm still out here. I still have the opportunity to go in and practice every day. And um, while I was out, I was still doing my best mentally uh, to be ready for my chance. And that was my chance, uh, our third preseason game. I, I went out there and, and, and did the best I could, gave it my all. You know, you only get one shot, so bring a rocket launcher. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, John, going back to, uh, to Dave's question for you about, um, you know, kind of uh, working out, you know, with West Point and that kind of setting you up for success in a, in a different way. Uh, what is the single hardest workout you've ever had related to football at West Point or in the pros? Uh, I would definitely say at West Point, um, all of uh, all all of uh, the Army football boys could could agree. Uh, mat drills is probably the hardest thing we've ever had to do, which is just our winter conditioning. Um, we've we, you know you know how college coaching works. Guys will come in and out uh, in terms of uh, you know coaches, uh, position changes, all that all that kind of stuff, and um, just talking to different people. Uh, that, that would come in, especially because my senior year, we had a new defensive staff, and when they came in and we did our first uh, winter conditioning going into my senior year, they were just like, I've never seen anything like this. Uh, it's definitely, it's just top tier, and, and we get after it in the off seasons out there. So um, I would have to say there's like a two-week period before spring break that we do our winter conditioning, and I would say all of those. There's not one day that's any easier than the other. Those were all uh, very hard workouts. So I'll still remember those for the rest of my life. Hey, John, I, it was so cool when they signed you to the, the roster. And, you know, you were, I think, you know, possibly going to be making, um, you know, uh, practice squad money. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get the, the big check, man. I mean, it, it was that, I know for me, it was like it was, it was like Monopoly money. Like it was <laughs> like just, it wasn't like I can't believe somebody is going to pay me to play a game that I love. Tell us, uh, tell us your reaction to that when that happened. Right. No, I totally agree with that. I mean, um, money, money. You know, I, I never wanted money to be the complete motivation, right? Uh, sure. To playing, uh, playing in the NFL, because I think if that's the case, you know, you're not going to give it your all, and if you're not passionate about something, you're never going to truly succeed in it. So, uh, you know, but certainly money's a factor, right? And, and we all got to make a living somehow. And um, just to be to be making more money than I would had I. Uh, normally, you know, graduate from West Point and not played football. Um, I'm definitely, you know, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm fortunate, and I'm, I'm very thankful for this opportunity um, because I was, you know, just making practice squad money is great. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, when I got signed to the active roster, I now, now, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to be, I want to be on this level, and I want to be making this much money because. Uh, you know, there's just it opens up the doors for a lot more opportunities and a lot more opportunities for me to help people. Um, you know, because I feel 
I feel very fortunate, like you said, to be playing a game that I love and uh, and making you know the amount of money that we do. Hey, John, we wish we had more time with you, man. You've just been such a blast to talk to you, but we really, really appreciate it, and good luck this weekend. Yeah, no doubt. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate you guys. Of course. Thanks. Yeah. All right, that was linebacker John Radigan. Shocking news. Did not know the song from Great Mouse Detective. Related news was born in 1999. So those two things, something. Oh, when did Mouse Detective like come out? Like 89, 10 years before he was born. 1999, yeah. and here he is driving and talking. Like hey, how? Listen, you ever watched the Great Mouse Detective? No, with your kids? we're talking about three oh. different generations. Here. And and also, if he had recognized that, I would have thought lesser of him. Same in a weird way. Not Curtis though. <laughs> Curtis very disappointed. Yeah, I mean, right. I had been banking. His entire existence on the Seahawks roster on him knowing. How well, old were you when, when I was only? I no, Curtis wasn't born was not yet, born yet. But my sisters were. So wait, it was eighty nine. Eighty nine. Yeah. Oh, I was born in ninety one. Fantastic like, movie. It's my third year in the NFL. <laughs> I was born. <laughs> Thank you, Stacy. That you make uh, me feel on, young. Depending on the month. Depending on the month, Dave. Okay. Anyways, well, uh, we will be back here with Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle. This is the huddle. Don't go anywhere. Welcome to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jay Keefs, and Stacey Ross. Wrapping up Hour 1, getting ready for Hour 2, a two-hour Seahawks preview of the Seahawks' upcoming game against the Arizona Cardinals. Joining us now uh, for a look at this team, where they stand heading out of that loss against the Packers, is Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle. John, how are you? I am doing good, Stacey, but I'm going to apologize in advance if you get any weird baby noises because I'm homesick with, or home Aww. with a sick baby working from home, so... Hopefully I can keep her quiet, but no guarantees. Oh, uh, I hope she gets better soon. Yeah, same, same. Uh, Thanks, guys. We'll start with a, a, a very quick look back, since I'm sure fans don't want to spend too much time on it. But it was an ugly game offensively, and then a great game defensively against Green Bay. Uh, what do you think? Uh, you know, offensively has the greatest chance to improve against the Arizona Cardinals, who are admittedly a tough defense. I mean, it's a lot of things that need to get better. Obviously, when you get shut out, a lot of things go wrong. We heard Pete Carroll talk about they need to run the ball more. I mean, only 11 carries for running backs is not ideal for this offense. Um, And then, I mean, the throwing game needs to get better, too. Russell Wilson, you know, was the first to admit a lot of that loss was on him. He did not play very well. He threw two interceptions, which in what at the time is a, you know, one-score game, a three-point game, throwing a interception in the red zone is pretty big blow so you know they got to get him sharper i don't know if it was just some rust from being out that long you know he and Pete carroll both insisted it was not related to his finger injury but they obviously need their you know quarterback to be better and they just need to function better in a lot of ways sustain some drives stay on the field help that defense out yeah somebody uh, pointed out and I, I thought it was totally I, I i trust pete and i agree with him that it wasn't the finger it was just being sort of out of sorts and you saw the same thing with aaron Rodgers in the first half he, he was kind of the same way did you notice anything different somebody was telling me that russ was not himself because typically he's going up and down the the sidelines and encouraging people and this this time he just looked kind of kind of i don't want to say confused but yeah, did, from what you heard and from Pete and everything, it, it seems like, John, that it was just more, like you said, the the rust more than anything because he's never experienced this before. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, he's never had a long layoff in the middle of a season like that. I'm guessing he hasn't gone three, four weeks without throwing a football literally in his life since yeah. he first picked up a football. So, that's a good point. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's probably the biggest factor there. And then, look, Green Bay's defense is really good 
Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offense have never played particularly well there. So I think, you know, to expect them to come out and hang up 30 points in that game is un- probably not realistic. Should they have been better? Should they have scored some points? Absolutely. But I-, I think there's just a ton of factors at play, and it's not fair to just say, oh, his finger wasn't right. John, one of the other aspects of this game is, and the reason why it stings so much is because it was such a close game for so long and the defense played so unbelievably well. What have you made of this defensive turnaround at this point in the season? Yeah, you know, it, I think we might have talked about this last week. Yeah, I was really looking forward to this game to see, you know, how much of what the defense has done is real because they've played really well in recent weeks, but they certainly not played a quarterback the caliber of Aaron Rodgers, a, a duo like Roger Stone to Devontae Adams, and you just wondered, you know, how real is this? Well, we saw on Sunday it's very real. I mean, they played a great game. They did give up the two late touchdowns, but, you know, that's tough when you're on the field as much as they were, and it just caught up to them, and, you know, they got a couple late scores. But I just think we've seen so many things clean up. The coverage has been so much better, especially, you know, I think the changes they made at cornerback have really paid dividends, and, you know, Jamal Adams is playing better in tandem with Quandre Diggs. Just the whole back end has been so much cleaner. So, yeah, you know, if there's something good to be taken out of a shutout loss, it's, it's how well that defense played and against – one of the great quarterbacks really of all time. So it's a, it's a very encouraging step for this defense. And it makes you believe that, you know, if, if this offense can figure things out and given the talent there, I think they can, that all of a sudden this team could get hot and win a bunch of games with the defense playing like that. Pete Carroll made it clear. He wants to see more carries than just 11 for Alex Collins. Do you also, do you also get the impression he wants to see more than just Alex Collins carrying the ball? I, I do. I think some of his comments about Rashad Penny, they, they'd like to see him get going. It's, you know, it's been a tough year for Penny and he just, you know, with injuries and then they been able to find chances to get him going in the game. You know, I, I do think we'll still see Collins start and that's where you just, you need to get more plays. You need to figure out whether it's the running game or just converting more short passes, things like that. But it's hard to get that running game, game going and get multiple backs involved when you're, you know, one, I think they might be dead last or near the bottom of plays run offensive mm-hmm. plays run in the NFL. So you know, figure out a way to keep some drives going, keep that offense on the field, and then, yeah, there's a chance to, to get more backs going. What do you hear about L.J. Collier, John? That's been another one kind of like Penny. Both, you know, similar paths, first-rounders, um, you know, and not necessarily working out uh, the way that they, they would like it. But he was uh, he was playing the other day, and I'm just curious what, uh, what the word is about his play and, you know, where this season ends up for L.J. Collier. Yes, it's going to be interesting to see how they use him down the stretch here because obviously, you know, he'd only been active, I think, twice before this past game all season. He's been a healthy scratch more often than not. And Pete Carroll, it was interesting. He kind of said, just look, he deserves it. He's been working really hard. He's been doing well in practice. Um, excuse me, defensive coordinator Ken Norton Jr. said that he played well and graded out well in that game. I mean, there weren't a bunch of the big flashy plays, but I do think, you know, maybe they're looking for ways to get some more interior pass rush. When Pete Carroll's asked about the pass rush on Wednesday, that's one thing he pointed to. They've been going so big, which has been really good for their run defense, but when you've got Brian Monet, Al Woods, and Puna Ford on the field all at the same time, that's not necessarily getting you a ton of pass rush, so maybe they see Collier as a guy that in one of those you know big interior spots can get you a little more pass rush in some situations you know john one of the things that has been pointed out has been that screen game uh and have been asked to number of people on defense bobby uh jordan brooks uh in in to me you look at some of the things that has been going on it, I, I honestly kind of look at it as a as a positive in in terms of you're getting to a point where 
you're starting to fix so many other things around you that you're starting to actually get into a focal point here on one particular thing. How, how, how does that go to show the evolution that Jordan Brooks just needs to continually keep working and progressing to get better? Yeah, I mean, that's, he, he talked about that yesterday. That's kind of the – he's made a lot of progress overall in a lot of areas. I think we've seen him a lot better and, you know, dropping into zone coverage and playing those those concepts that the Seahawks like to do. But they have been getting burned on a lot of those screens. It's not just on Jordan Brooks, but the weak side linebacker is the guy. A lot of times those plays kind of flow towards, and, and he's the guy that's got to stop it. Uh, it's unfortunate for Brooks. He's following in the shoes of – probably the the best screen stopping linebacker we've ever seen here i mean maybe dave wyman was a little before my time he might have been on par with kj right but uh (laughs) it's it's tough so he's got big shoes to fill he's gonna get better you know that's gonna be big focus bobby wagner's gonna help him get better at that but yeah i mean going back to your point i think that's a good sign that if if that's the one thing you're worried about right now it look teams would much rather be throwing 50 yard bombs down the field than checking down to screens if if they were able to get those easy on a defense and seahawks have been taking a lot of things away but unfortunately that's sort of been the one weak spot in these last few games he is seahawks.com reporter john boyle make sure you're reading his work at seahawks.com john thanks so much for joining us Thanks for having me. All right. Hope your kid gets yeah. better. Give our best. Yep. And uh, thanks for keeping a straight face when you mentioned my name is one of the all-time greatest. <laughs> I mean, I, they, no one can see my face, which was helpful. There. Yeah, that that helps. That helps. All right, Thank Boyle. you, John. Thanks, see John. All right. Normally, we would go in the trenches with Ray Roberts to kick off hour two, but filling in for Ray is former Seahawks wide receiver, current Seahawks pre- and post-game show host Michael Bumpus. That's next on The Huddle. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Calling us now from Crypto.com Arena in Los Angeles, California, (laughs) it is Michael Bumpus. Bump, what's up? What's going on? Crypto.com Arena, that hurts my heart. It's been stapled since I was in eighth grade. I believe it opened in 2000. Uh, sad LA day. native. Sad and day, man. You are huge. You're everywhere. Like, you're flying down to the Bay Area. What are you yeah. doing down there, Bump? Um, I do uh, the show called uh, Pac-12 After Dark and go to San Francisco. Usually me, Shane Vereen, and, and Guy, we uh, sit there and we talk football, man. We talk about the Pac-12. Wow. Uh, hey, Bump. Every time I turn on my TV or my radio, Michael it's Michael Bumpus. <laughs> He's huge, man. He's With blowing good up. Reason. With good reason. In fact, you can hear him on the Seahawks pre- and post-game show, steering that ship. Make sure you tune in uh, before and after the game. Good stuff, as always, Bump. Uh, joining us, though, on the huddle before you get to that this weekend, I want to start with DK Metcalf. It's not just because you're a former wide receiver, but... Uh, he's obviously one of the most important parts of this team and, and a huge figure for this team moving forward. Um, he doesn't seem that happy this year. I mean, how do you kind of read into what the experience has been like for him? You know, I, I take what he said during his presser, Stace, and, and say he's tired of losing. He's not used to this. You know, this is his third year with the team, and this team has had a lot of success. Um, so it has to be frustrating for a guy, especially a guy who's ascending into superstardom, right? He's um, He has a character. He has an image that he has to uphold. And the Hawks losing is hurting him. He's a team guy. It's all about the wins and stuff. But this is a, a business as well. And if the Hawks aren't doing well, it hurts his personal brand. So I want to say that has something to do with it. But I also think that he's a competitor. And he and he's just frustrated. And he's letting everybody know that um, things got to change or he will not be a happy camper. What do you think about the the way that uh, Kyler Murray plays plays quarterback? I thought he was kind of on maybe on the the bubble there for a while. Not not as far as getting cut, but as far as like is this guy going to be a superstar? Is he going to be a, a franchise quarterback and 
I got to say, Bumpy, 73% completion uh, percentage. So what's been your impressions uh, going into this Arizona game, checking out Kyler Murray? Man, one, you know the obvious, Dave. Um, this guy can get outside the pocket, do some great things with his feet. It's almost like he's a creative player out there. I used to play Madden with Vic. And, you know, you send all your guys on, on vertical routes and you just run with Vic on third and short. You know, it's kind of <laughs> like he has that same ability. But the thing that impresses me the most with this kid now is just his touch, man. He threw a football I forgot what team, uh, who they were playing against, but it was to the sideline. It was to A.J. Green. It was a cover two honey hole shot is what I call it. It's when the outside receiver, outside release that cover two corner, and there's like a usually an eight to ten yard gap between the corner and that safety. Right. And you got to be on time to make that throw. I mean, he made it look so easy. I'm like, I'm seeing him making throws like that to where he's becoming a true quarterback. So to me, it's his arms. The, the legs are always going to be impressive. As, as long as he's young, that's going to be um, a weapon of his. But the type of throws he makes, the touch throws, the honey hole shots, he can drive it in there as well. I mean, he's got a lot of tricks in his bag. Bump, uh, the big question right now with this team is not defense. Uh, that, that, that was the talk of the conversation to start the season. They've turned, they've turned things around. Offensively, they still have not been able to get things going. And obviously the return of Russell Wilson, everyone was hoping that that would be the spark. It was not. Um, but what do they need to do to be able to get themselves getting in the right direction to finish this season out? I mean, it's all about putting drives together and putting plays together. And you need Chris Carson to be healthy. I think people are seeing. I, I think the true fans already knew how important Chris Carson was, but especially in the stretch him not being there. You see how limited that run game is. Alex Collins has done a good job filling in, but he's just a filling. He's a, he's a number two guy. You don't want to depend on this guy the whole season. So, you know, like we've been saying all year, like Pete's been saying all year, um, they got to get the run game going. And then just Russell being healthy. I, I mean, Russell is going to say that he was 100% last week. I just don't think he was. I, I see the throws that he missed. I'm looking at his body language, his demeanor. Something seemed off. So I think as soon as Russ gets back into his groove and Shane Waldron gets used to calling plays for Russell Wilson again, I think they'll be okay because before he got hurt, I mean, it seemed like they were moving in that direction. Russell's getting to the line of scrimmage. He's checking out of things. They're putting drives together. DK's making plays. Locke is making plays. And then he gets hurt. And it's almost like Shane had to reset and say, okay, I have a different type of quarterback now. What type of plays am I going to call and I'm missing my number one running back they're still trying to figure some things out but it's all about getting healthy and Shane and Russell getting on the same page and having some connectivity hey bump when you're looking ahead to this matchup against the Arizona Cardinals they're a top 10 team both offensively and defensively in terms of just yardage uh they're a top five team number four overall in terms of defensive yardage uh limited limiting opponents to just 323 do you see any opportunities for Seattle against this team yeah it's gonna be tough I know they're thin on the ground <laughs> it, it's gonna Those be tough opportunities yeah yeah I mean against against the run they're fifth uh, excuse me against the pass they're fifth against the run they're 19th overall they're fourth um it's just gonna be tough you look at the guys that they have on defense we know Watt is gone and let me big ups to Watt because he got hurt and he played with dang near his whole right or left side is being done and finished the game so He's a soldier. But you look at the names that they have over there, man. They still got Chandler Jones. Um, they still got Marcus Golden. You still got uh, Simmons. You got Murphy. You have Buda Baker. 
I mean, there there are going to be opportunities out there because this is football and, you know, these are professionals. But you cannot make a lot of mistakes offensively because this team has shown that they will get after it. They got eight interceptions in that secondary. I think it all comes down to just being efficient and in your route running, um, having a plan. There are a lot of times where I watch receivers and typically young receivers, um, they're running their routes without a plan. They're just running what is in the playbook and not understanding, okay, here's my flat defender. I'm going to move him here because this is what the number one receiver is doing on the outside. I think when you have a quarterback who understands how to move a defense with his eyes, which I think Russell Wilson has, you connect that with receivers who understand how to move defenders. Um, that's when you start getting your opportunities. But again, I'm a receiver and I cannot stress this enough. It's all about establishing that run. You get guys to take r- run read steps and they're, they're biting up and they're trying to get back into their zones. That's where big plays can happen. So quarterback receivers, same page, move defenders. And then Alex Collins and the gang got to get things going been a weird series with Arizona I was going back all the way to 2012 which was Russ's uh, rookie year remember they up here they blew them out 58 to nothing yeah that was against Arizona and then there was the weird six to six tie and then there there's been I, I think they've won four of the last six here in Seattle it's just been one of those and then whenever we go down to Arizona it seems like they have success down there and then they they load up uh What's the what is it State Farm Arena or whatever down there? Uh, they, there's all kinds of uh, Seahawk fans down there. Yeah. You see them everywhere. So it's just yeah. been been kind of a weird weird one through the years. Yeah, I mean Russ is six two and one on the road against these guys and four and five at home. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it is awkward. You would think that that home field advantage will come into handy for both teams, but it just doesn't happen like that. And thankfully, um, the Twelves love some Arizona, man. I, and I don't blame them. It's sunny all the time down there, and they will travel. <laughs> and I think it was was it last year? It wasn't last year. One of these games, um, it might have been in Indianapolis, where we heard like yes. the, the Hawks make plays, and it sounded like a home game. You right. know what I mean? That just shows how much support that these guys have. Um, I, I think it just comes down to. You know, who's available and, and who's doing what? Because obviously home, in a way, means nothing in this series. It's all about just getting the job done. And I expect Russ to play better than he did last week. Um, I think Kyler Murray seems like he's going to be available. I don't think John Dre Hopkins is going to be available. So there's a plus there. The, Haw- the Hawks need a break. I mean, they need some type of break. They need a call to go their way. They need to make a, a really big play. Just to kind of change uh, the identity of this team right now. It's kind of like they're waiting for the offense to make these plays, whereas the defense has kind of been holding them together the past few weeks now the defense has been holding them together and bump there, there were some serious issues that were going on the defense side of the ball it's been very impressive to watch them you know fix and change that but from a receiver perspective what has been so impressive about Trey Brown and what he's been able to do as a rookie you know stepping in for this team man Jake I look at his technique like the kid looks like a corner. I mean, I don't mean to knock on Trey Flowers when he was here or DJ at times, but a lot of times they get into their back pedal, they're breaking on the ball, and their arms are out of whack. You know, they're slipping and they're falling. And most of the time it's because they're not using their proper technique. I mean, there's a there's a reason why a back pedal is being taught the way it's been taught because it, it works and it's efficient. I see Trey Brown. That play he made on fourth and two, I believe it was, where um, he, he runs up. 
he makes a tackle and bats the ball away. And, and that's his perfect technique. He had his left hand around the hip, right arm went through, went with it, led with his shoulder. I mean, it was freaking perfect. And I look at the film, I'm like, I haven't seen a receiver look technically sound like that in this defense in a very long time. So I think if you add his confidence, you hear the young man talk, he sounds like a veteran, right? You hear his confidence, and then you see his technique, you're like, there's no reason this young man cannot be successful. Now, he's going to have his ups and downs because that's the life of, of a corner. You're going to get got. That's just how it is out there, especially the way they throw the football. But I just I just love his technique and his composure. It doesn't seem like things are happening too fast for him. It doesn't seem like the moment overwhelms him. All right, make sure you listen to Michael Bumpus during the Seahawks pre- and post-game show. Pre-game show starts three hours before kickoff uh, during the regular season. Bump, thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys, take care. See ya. All right, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel, joins right, Roger, us next you, on The Huddle. Don't go anywhere. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Joining us now, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. What's up, Rabes? You guys, as always. We're very excited to have you here with us. You've no, already, you're uh, not, not you know, really, I, I you. am. I can't Dave speak for Wyman. Two of the three of us I'll are, have you are know, thrilled to have you on. I'll have you know, Rabes, that John Boyle already got a shot in at Wyman for you. So oh, thank you perfect. to John. Yeah, wonderful. He, very, already, he already did the dirt. Very work. vulnerable and tender right very now. Very emotional <laughs> right now. So yeah. just go easy on him. Okay. Um, I'll start with this one. It's going to be a tough game, obviously, against Arizona. It feels like there's very little place to go but up for the offense, though, Rabes. Well, yeah. I mean, yes. The the short answer there is yes. <laughs> you can't uh, do worse. <laughs> no. I mean, and and I, I was I just had a conversation with Pete a little while ago as he was running between uh, interviews, and again I told him I said when when we were sitting in that booth uh, and the Packers were leading three nothing midway through the fourth quarter, you hold Aaron Rodgers to three points. I said you couldn't ask for anything more. And, uh, yeah, well, I guess the thing we could ask for is a few more points. And, you know, whether you whether you want to blame it on, and I don't think he does, but when you want to call it officiating because you got some of those calls go your go against you, uh, some, some plays where guys didn't get open, I, I still keep coming back to, and I think Pete really goes back to harping on this as well, you're just still not running the football well enough to have any kind of balance on offense. And I know that sounds trite, but – Hey, take a take a look at what uh, San Francisco did the other night and ran it. What did they run for about about a, a hundred times or something? I don't know, <laughs> but they they ran for they ran a lot of time and they they controlled the time of possession. They controlled third downs. Uh, they stayed ahead of the chains. All the things that you want to do on offense. And when you're looking at a third and twelve or third and fourteen, it's it's tough. I don't care who the offensive play caller is to get anything going. So you just got to find it. It's it's just taking way longer than anybody thought it would and they better find it in a hurry because the season is uh to that point yeah i like how kyle shanahan runs it 44 times and he's a genius <laughs> and Steve, pete carroll wants to run it like 25 30 times and oh he's a caveman you know it's just yeah. uh it's like you, you can't win but i mean look the the good teams we talk about it all the time they play defense they run the ball right yeah, I mean, go back to the all those years that the Patriots won championships. Yeah, Tom Brady was uh, the quarterback, and yeah, he threw the ball well, but they always had, first of all, they always had great defenses, right. and then they could always run the ball. They could, yeah. And, and, and that's what you have to do, and, and you know, Belichick is, is old enough to know that, and there are a lot of young coaches 
uh, in the league now who who move up here from college and and you know they throw the ball all over the yard uh, uh, during a football game and, and run it out of the the shotgun and the the linemen have never put their hand on the dirt in four years playing in college and they have to change they fight figure it out well cliff kingsbury is a good example you know, they went down there and wanted to throw the ball around all the time, and he found out in a big hurry that, you know, you got to have some balance in this league, and sure enough, they do. They can run the ball well. They, we obviously know they can play good defense. What are they, number four in the league right now in defense? Yeah. That's the one that, that really boggles my mind, that, that this, this team is playing that well defensively. That's a good point about Kingsbury because, yeah, he's like wide open, throw it everywhere. Sure. They are four plays away from being perfectly balanced run to pass so yeah he he figured it out i think everybody does that gets in the nfl right yeah you know rapes one of the one of the things that you you know going along this discussion what has been the biggest frustration to you this season i mean you, you look at this entire process for the seahawks at one point the defense my goodness it, it looked like it couldn't be any worse again they turned things around and and then the offense obviously has not lived up to the billing but what has been the biggest aspect that's frustrated you the most well, aside from the fact that the Seahawks stopped sending a chauffeur-driven limousine for me every oh, game, uh, aside the from, take that, that yeah, take that, set it aside. Um, <laughs> the, I, I, I don't know. I guess the most frustrating thing is seeing the 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 inefficiency of of the offense. Being an offensive player, you know, I, I tend to when the defense you know gives up a long drive late in the game. Oftentimes, to me, that's a that's a product of the offense not being on the field long enough, so that your big guys on defense are just worn down. I mean, by that last drive, you know, for for the Packers the other night, you know, here's Dylan, this 255 pound running back or whatever he is, running into Bobby, who's maybe 240, uh, you know, and and tired and been running all over the field making plays. You know, that's tough on the defense. So I tend to put I tend to put uh, that in the in the blame game as far as offense is concerned but new coach uh new you know new offensive coordinator aside new philosophy aside you just have to win your battles up front and man-to-man and whether that means as a receiver you got to beat man-to-man coverage we didn't have a lot of guys get open last week against green bay green bay's a heck of a defensive team too and i got a feeling that we're going to see a lot of that in arizona because they have some really good cornerbacks and buda baker back there in that safety spot uh so so it's not going to get any easier but winning one-on-one battles has been really difficult for this team whether it's up front blocking whether it's running the football uh and making the one guy you have to make miss oftentimes not making that guy miss alex collins has been the closest to that uh, that's probably the most frustrating thing yeah. that I've seen this season. You know, Rabes, this is going to sound uh, silly because I have nothing to back this up, but if I were to look at Arizona stats and you were to tell me it was the Carolina Panthers or um, the Tampa Bay Bucks or the Kansas City Chiefs and here they are coming to Seattle, I'd say, oh, man, it's not looking good for Seattle. The NFC West, though, you never know yeah. what's going to happen here. It seems like these teams just beat each other up. And we saw it between uh, the 49ers and Rams where the 49ers had the Rams number on that one and, and have had their number, even though the Rams arguably on paper a better team, a better roster. I never know what to expect when it's the Cardinals. Hey. Exactly. And, and Pete said this uh, earlier in the season when before we played the Rams and the 49ers, and that is these two 
organizations, the Seahawks and whomever it is we're playing within the division, they know each other. They see each other. They look at each other all offseason. How can we get better? Because the first thing you need to do is win your division. Yeah, you want to you know, you play great in the conference and all that kind of stuff, but if you win the division, you put yourself in that position to at the very least make the playoffs, but you also have a real good shot if you're playing well enough to host playoff games, and that's really what you want to do is bring everybody through your stadium. So you have to know the guys that you're playing. And I, I looked at the, the side-by-side comparison a couple days ago when we started to get some of the stats for this game and to see where – you know, numbers-wise, where the Seahawks are in the standings in the National Football League and where the Arizona Cardinals are. And I, I'm, I, I, it's hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that Arizona is playing so well right now in all phases of the game, offensively and defensively, and the Seahawks don't have the numbers to show for it, and consequently, the record stands at 3-6. Mm-hmm. and six. Uh, It could very well be better than that, winning a couple of those overtime games that we ended up losing, but hey... You are what your record says you are. So, yeah, throw everything out the window when it comes to a, a divisional game, and especially this team. We go down to the desert and beat right. them on a regular basis, right. and then they come up here and win at Lumen it's or so weird. CenturyLink or whatever you want to call it now. So, it, it, yeah, it's it's just crazy, and it, that's one of the things that makes rivalry so much fun. He is the voice of the Seahawks here on the call, as always, this weekend. Steve Rabel. Rabes, thanks so much for talking to us. Kids, a pleasure. Thank you. See ya. All right, uh, going across enemy lines here, heading down to Arizona for an opponent preview with ESPN's Josh Weinfuss. That's next. Welcome back to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Joining us now for an opponent preview is ESPN's Josh Weinfuss, who covers the Cardinals out in Arizona. Hey, Josh, how's it going? I am great. How are you guys? We're fantastic. I mean, look, it's been a tough season for Seattle, but uh, every week's at least been uh, interesting, if not sometimes painful. Hey, when you're looking at the the Cardinals here, I think the number one question on, I'm sure Cardinals fans, but certainly Seahawks fans' mind is whether or not Kyler Murray is going to play. How are he and Hopkins looking? They are, they're trending upward, right? That it sounds kind of cliche in, in coach speak, but, you know, that's kind of where it's been going the last three and a half weeks. You know, this seems, the Cardinals seem to be more optimistic this week about Kyler playing than they have been in the last couple of weeks. But all we've heard is, you know, he's close, he's close, he might, he might, he might, and he hasn't. So my guess is that we'll see Kyler um, Sunday in Seattle, but we won't see Hopkins. I think, you know, with that soft tissue injury of a hamstring that I think they want to rest as long as possible to make sure he's ready for the home stretch. But I do think that they look at this game as kind of a must win because, you know, this could give them a pretty significant cushion in the NFC West. And I think that they'd rather have, you know, this win now and giving them a multiple game lead over the Rams uh, at this point than having to, you know, stress it and sweat it kind of in December, you know, hope, you know uh, when they close out the season against the Seahawks, maybe needing a must-win then. So I think that they're going to want to win this game, and I think that leads to Kyler playing. Josh, when we talked about uh, the Arizona Cardinals, the state of where they're at, it was uh, last time we talked, it was sometime in training camp or maybe just before that to give a mm-hmm. season preview. And there were a lot of ifs to the Arizona Cardinals, Josh, if – if A.J. Green, if J.J. Watt, if this, if that. And, you know, honestly, we walked away in Seattle going, oh, here's the Arizona Cardinals again. They're going to be in a tough spot. Little did and we know. lo and behold, <laughs> all those ifs have worked out in a big way. I mean, Josh, how, how you know, impressed are you by the, the job that the front office has done in selecting and identifying the right guys to fit their system and collectively how they've been building this thing over the past couple of years? 
I mean, you have to give credit where credit's due, right? And getting guys to compliment the young, getting veteran guys, I should say, to compliment the younger pieces has kind of been um, a masterful decision on the front office's part. You know, I, we saw here in Phoenix kind of last summer, um, the Phoenix Suns go on this crazy run to the NBA Finals. I think we might have even talked about this now. You know, they had Chris Paul, uh, they brought in Chris Paul to compliment, like, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, kind of, you know, that, that, that veteran presence, you know, being the compliment to the younger guys. And we saw the same thing here, and, and it's worked out, right? It's, it's worked out great for this team. You have guys like, you know, A.J. Green and J.J. Watt, even though he's, you know, he's on IR. Um, Rodney Hudson, the center, he's been a great, great help to Kyler Murray. So you have all these older guys who have not only filled needs, they fill the roles, right? They, they're great in the locker room. They're foundational pieces. Um, they're, they're, they're leaders. And when you take all of that, throw that in a big pot, stir it up, that's a recipe for, for, for winning a lot of games. And obviously, they were hit with the injury bug recently. Uh, COVID's kind of been a big issue this year, too. But, you know, they're still 8-2. and two. They still have, you know, they're tied for the best record in, 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 the, in, in the NFL at this point. So it's all worked out. And I think that you need to look at all these offseason decisions and a lot of them were head scratching. Right? Like, why are these guys going for so many older players? But it's all, it's all worked out. And, you know, even if AJ green doesn't get to a thousand yards or JJ Watt doesn't play the rest of the season, they're still having an impact on this team. And we're seeing that, uh, you know, kind of play stuff out on the field. Hey, I felt like Kingsbury was on the hot seat heading into the season. How much of this has been uh, Kyler Murray, great talent acquisition, um, everything kind of coming together? And how much of it has been Kingsbury genuinely taking a step forward as head coach? Oh, it's such a fantastic question. Um, In my opinion, this is all Kyler Murray. I think Cliff Kingsbury has definitely taken that step, right? He's taken – He's taken a step. I don't know if he's taken the step. He, he, he has a better understanding, and this continues to grow, of what NFL offenses are like, right? Coming from college, totally different game. Um, and he's learned as, as, as he's, has, he's, he's progressed. But to me, this is all Kyler Murray, right? He, he came in this season with a better understanding of what the Cardinals are doing. Mind you, he's run the scheme since he was 15 years old. So he understands the actual offense better than probably anybody else besides Cliff Kingsbury, maybe in the entire league. But, you know, doing it on an NFL level is totally different. So we saw him, you know, have a better understanding this year of what he's doing. And I think the biggest difference is his ability to check in and out of plays. So when he gets the call from Cliff, you know, through the headset, Kyler is now saying, do I want to do this or do I not? Or am I going to put? What am I going to put my put my team into? And he's truly taking responsibility, taking leadership, taking ownership of this offense, and he's running what he wants. And we've seen, you know, obviously seen it work. You know, until until he got hurt, they only lost one game. So um, this is to me, this is more a product of Kyler Murray's growth and development than it is. Cliff Kingsbury's mm. um, growth. But, you know, like you said, that they did fill in some missing pieces. So yeah. you, you put the right pieces around Kyler Murray, you give him the right personnel, uh, couple that with his growth. I mean, this is what you're seeing. This is a team that can easily make a run into the playoffs, you know, deep into the playoffs, and even to the Super Bowl. Josh, everybody focuses on the offense, and, and rightfully so, about what this team has done. But they are top five uh, in in both offense and defense, and defensively in a lot of categories. This is a really, really good group um, that was highlighted by Chandler Jones and Marcus Golden and J.J. Watt. But the secondary, their secondary, the what they've had, what they have, what they've built uh, with their young guys has been pretty special. How big has that secondary been for this team to take that next step? Oh, it's been huge. I mean, you know, when 
Malcolm Butler retired unexpectedly right before the season started. Nobody knew what was going to happen at cornerback because you had you had him originally, right? A, a veteran presence with big game experience. He was going to be the kind of the cornerstone of that pass defense. And then you have you have Robert Alford across from him. Well, Alford has you know he he signed here before the 2019 season, and up until this year. He hadn't played because of injuries. So, really, we had no idea what we were getting out of the secondary. Then all of a sudden, Malcolm Butler retires, and you you move um, Byron Murphy, who was a second-round pick back in 2019. You move him into kind of that cornerback one spot, and he has just flourished. Right? He has just played way better than I think anybody expected. He's been fantastic, and Alfred's been good. Marco Wilson, who was a rookie this year um, out of Florida, he's been fine, right? He's got his ups and downs. He's taken his lumps, but he's been playing – just as just exactly what you would kind of expect out of a rookie um, in the NFL who kind of got thrown into the fire. So these cornerbacks have been 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 good, right? They, they, way better than I think people expected them. Yeah. And then you had the deep secondary. You know, Buda Baker's obviously. You, know, you guys are very familiar with him. He's a Pro Bowler, All Pro. He's great. And then they kind of you know the one thing that really kind of has always surprised me and kind of stands out is. Uh, how good the rest of, of of the safety room is when you have guys like Deontay Thompson out of Alabama, a guy that you guys know up there, Jalen Thompson out of Washington State, and then Chris Banjo. These guys aren't big-name guys, but they're good players. And I think as a unit, they're really, really good. So, you know, sometimes you don't need to have, you know, a, a unit full of stars. You just need good players who can play off each other. And that's what the Cardinals have in the safety in the safety room. So I think you put, those, you know, the safeties and the cornerbacks combined, you're looking, like you said, you're looking at a very good pass defense. I mean, this is this part of why they've been so successful. And I think that it's kind of surprised a lot of people here. Hey, Josh, it feels like the Seahawks and Cardinals have been on either end of the benefit of the doubt, <laughs> right? Like the Seahawks, because they've uh, had a winning record for the last 10 years because they've made the playoffs and all but one of those, even when every sign this year has pointed to like, hey, this is a team that needs some help. This is a team that is probably not going to make the postseason. Even now, as a reporter, I say probably because you're just so used to this team, like surprising you and proving you wrong. The Cardinals have been on the other end where they've had so many talented rosters and have made so many great offseason acquisitions and and haven't seen quite as much postseason uh, or regular season success. And it's just been this weird, sometimes a, a stretch of bad luck. Uh, so I think unsurprisingly, you've gotten some people to start the year saying, well, let's wait and see with the Cardinals, even though they've been so obviously <laughs> great. Uh, are you kind of past that? Is it like, hey, I'm done with wait to see. And it's like, I've seen what I need to see. Kind of, sort of. I mean, Maybe waiting still. You bring up a great point. <laughs> We're still waiting a little bit. You, you bring up a great point because all year it's been the Cardinals have the best record in the NFL, but, right? It's always been a yeah, but with them. Like, yeah, but, right. but that. But, you know, and, and they've proven that they're good, right? And they've proven that they're a very, very good team. But I think now what we're seeing, you know, they lost two of their last three. Kyler Murray, you know, hurt. It's very similar, eerily similar to last year, right? A little bit of deja vu. So I think if they can kind of get back on 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 the swing of things, right? If they can kind of get back to playing like they did before he got hurt, whenever he returns, I think that's going to kind of calm a lot of people down and be like, okay, this team's for real. But if he comes back and they don't find that momentum that they had before he got hurt, people are going to start thinking, well, look what happened last year. Is this happening again this mm-hmm. year? Are they going to finish the season like they did, you know, in 2020, then is Cliff Kingsbury going to be in the hot seat, all this stuff. So, uh, yes, I mean, I, I am past that a little bit because of how good they started and how good they looked. But we all know it's not how you start, it's how you finish, you know. So we need to see them, I think, finish this year 
good or at least get back into what they were doing before Kyler got hurt. And then I'm going to, I think I'll, I'll completely be like, all right, I'm past that. Like that's all trash garbage. Like, like people need to stop doing the whole yeah, but thing. But um, for now, I mean, I think it's kind of warranted, right? I think that we've seen this in the past. We saw it last year. So until they can kind of get past this, then I think we're going to continue to see it. Totally fair. He is ESPN's Josh Weinfuss with our opponent preview of this week's opponent, the Arizona Cardinals. Josh, it is always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, Let's hope we can uh, reconnect the next time these two teams face off, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Let's do it. All right, wrapping it up with our final thoughts and a key to a win coming up next. This is the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. This has been a two-hour preview of the Seahawks' upcoming game against the Arizona Cardinals. They are coming back to Lumen Field for this one. Kickoff is going to be at 1.25 p.m. It is the first of two games, clearly, against the Arizona Cardinals. First time facing them this year, and it's a very different Cardinals team than I think a lot of people were expecting, including, as you just heard, Josh Weinfuss, an ESPN reporter covering the Cardinals. This team has come out and surprised a lot of people, but they are very legit. Top 10, both offense and defense in terms of yards given up and yards allowed, uh, yards gained. So, guys, when you're looking at this, Dave and and Jake, uh, upcoming, you know, like big keys for this team, uh, what are going to be, you know, a, a big area of focus for you when you're watching this team? I'll, I'll start by saying, for me, offensively, it's going to have to be third down. They cannot continue to lose that battle of time of possession. It was 2-1, to one, uh, about almost 40 minutes to 20 minutes last week against Green Bay. Dave, you pointed out uh, earlier that they're like last in the league in total plays run just because they haven't been able to stay on the field. That's not a pattern that can continue against this Arizona Cardinals team. Yeah, and you know, it looks the the only hope I have is that look uh, the Panthers put 341 yards. You know anything about their quarterback there, Jake Walker? Yeah, P- yeah, we got PJ Walker from yeah. the uh, the XFL. XFL? Yeah. yeah, the XFL star. I, that's where I remember him from. The guy mm-hmm. went twenty-two for twenty-nine, mm-hmm. threw an interception, no touchdowns, but they got Christian McCaffrey going against him. So, yeah, there's some hope. I, I just I'm waiting for C- the Seahawks to have this signature win yeah. that turns them. And I thought it could be in Green Bay, and I really did up until like the third, fourth quarter. And so, yeah, if they can beat a really good team, and by the way, it's going around, right? I mean, uh, Jacksonville beats the Bills. Um, you know yep. what? Uh, Denver went in and took one from Dallas, who's yep. a really good team. I mean, you just you name it. Uh, Tampa Bay lost to the Washington Football Team, so I'm I'm hoping that you know this is a three and six team, guys. This is they're tied for second to last in the in the NFC as far as record goes. They're with the Giants and Washington Football Team, so yeah, it's it's just hard to believe that this is going on, and I have a hard time believing that there's not going to be one of those wins and the sooner the better right because uh, <laughs> no doubt. this is this is a really good team on both sides of the ball numbers wise but I feel like in this series anything can happen not only that but you'd like it to happen now because uh, look you never want to when you've got three wins look at any other team and say well that's easy right look like God, you you got to get better first before you can do that but mm-hmm. hypothetically if we're talking about the rest of the schedule you get an easier stretch here you're facing Detroit you're facing Chicago both of those teams have struggled you're facing Houston a team that struggled uh, those teams have well weapons uh all of them but I mean Detroit's still looking for its first win it's had a tie before a win like if hypothetically you beat the Cardinals you're looking at a chance here to get right you are and and this is why you need that that signature win you need as Dave was talking about you need that that game that you can catapult yourself and say all right here we go and this is what's going to help us you know go on a terror down the stretch and you know push come to shove guys I, I have a ton of confidence in the defense 
Not so much to the point where I believe it's going to be similar to what they were able to do against Green Bay. I think it's I, – I really truly believe it would be foolish to think that they can limit them the way that they were able to do Green Bay. Arizona's more explosive. They're a very good group. Um, but I, I think that they can absolutely limit them to under 20 points. And if they can do that, they have a tremendous chance to win. And this is going to come down to the offense. This is going to come down to the offense stepping up, being able to sustain drives, get the running game going, um, and Russell Wilson playing more to the quarterback and the talent that we know that he is. If they're able to do that, I, I think that they do have a great chance to win. Here's one of the unique reasons why. We just were talking to and, and interviewed John Weinfuss with Arizona. There's a little bit of a seed of doubt with everybody in Arizona. There's a little bit of a seed of doubt mm-hmm. with with that city and kind of getting the monkey off your back, so to speak, in terms of the type of team you are because they were in a similar position last year and then the the wheel wheels just completely came off the wagon for Arizona. And, you know, they, they're going on a, a tough skid here the, the in this last game against Carolina. Do they see something similar happen to them mm-hmm. at this point? And I do think the Seahawks can capitalize on that. Now, if you're looking at uh, at defensively, I was wondering how many of these changes and improvements we'd seen from this defense, whether it was yards given up, which had gone down, whether it was uh, third down conversions, which had gone down for opposing offenses. They had improved in so many areas, and there's still question marks, right? There's still the screenplays, and, and, and we can get back to that just a little bit here, but there's still areas where you want to see the defense improve, but... I'm going to tell you guys, I, I felt a little reassured after that game against Green Bay. I know it wasn't the best day for, for Aaron Rodgers, but the defense looked great. Yeah, and they, they finished poorly, right? So that's kind of what it leaves you with the bad taste right, in your mouth. Right. But early on, yeah, that, that it was – and they've we've seen improvement over the last, what, four games, mm-hmm. you know, compared to, to what happened. So, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be – remember uh, last year it was 37 sacks in the last 10 games, and that got them to 46, which is one of the higher totals in Pete Carroll era. Uh, and then – and then also, um, you know, the one year where they took the the ball away 32 times in 2019. I mean, they, they need something like that. Like you said, signature uh, or something to lean your hat on, Jake. Um, Just something where you stand your out. Yeah, something where you stand out and it is being, and I think it always starts with being physical. The other thing, I mentioned this on the screenplays the other day. I did a football one-on-one thing and I'm like, what beats screenplays is hustle. And I know everybody wants to hear the, you know, technique and stuff like that, but hustle, that's a yeah. hustle play. So they they just need in general to see. And, you know, I would I would go through. Dave, can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. Because I think that's a huge part of it is, is, you know, people talking about technique, it's, you know, it's recognition and then it's hustle to the ball, right? right. Because more often than not, most screens, if done right, they do have you out of position to begin with. Right. Yeah. And so you see, I had had a coach that would do this. He would say, I want you to watch yourself and tell me, are you running as hard as you possibly can on every play? And what happens sometimes is you honestly just get caught up like watching the game. And that's what Chuck Knox used to say. What are you doing? You're watching the game. You know, watch the game uh, from home. You don't watch it on the field. And it's just uh, being conscientious about it. And so, yeah, if you go through and, and watch the game and watch it that way, I'll ask Seahawks fans to do that is, you know, look at the players. Like, is everybody going as hard as they can? Are they busting their butts? You know, and that's 
where it starts. I talk about being physical as well. But, I mean, there's no defense out there that you could magically put in that would make this defense the best. And it's not about scheme. It's not about any of that stuff. Like, people were talking about Bobby getting run over on the goal line. He didn't get his head across the bow, meaning on the other side, and he wasn't low enough. I mean, those are two very basic things. I know he was tired and everything, but those are the things that that get you beat. And, you know, and I, I would just say, like, when you're watching the game, just see is every single guy, if you were in the room and you were a coach and you said, is every single guy running as hard as he possibly can from snap to whistle? That's all you can ask out of your players. And that's something that, you know, that does beat a screen, but it also beats a lot of other plays, too. All right, you heard the man we're watching for physical play. You're looking for guys hustling, and then we're keeping an eye on some continued improvements on both sides of the ball against Arizona, the Arizona Cardinals, 8-2. and two. It'll be a tough one, but it's the NFC West. Anything can happen. Pre-game show for this one starts at 10 a.m. on Sunday. Kickoff is at 1.25 p.m. For Dave Wyman, for Jake Heaps, I'm Stacy Ross. This has been The Huddle.